Halo everybody. My name is Sam Blum here, co-host on Calling All Halos of Anaheim. I am alongside my fellow co-host here, Connor Grossman. Hello, Connor. How are you? Sam, I'm doing great, and I cannot wait to spend the next 30 or so minutes talking about the newest Halo, Richie Martin. Richie, everybody give it up for Richie Martin. Signed on a minor league deal, selected 20th overall by the A's in 2015. Let's get into it, Sam. What do you think? I mean, this this is the move that changes everything. Watch it actually be. Like, that would be great. <laughs> Richie Martin brought up on June 1st, starting shortstop. I don't even know position. Is that, is that what position he plays? I don't know. Otani who? <laughs> Otani who. But we also can gloss over Zach Plesak, you know. And him has made five starts last year and... Uh, looks great. So only That's you true. know self-inflicted injuries now, like three consecutive seasons, and so you know, right? I, I not to bash on these guys. I think for all we know, they could be great. Um, I think it's more a commentary on where the Angels' offseason kind of sits and what they haven't really done yet, um, maybe at all. We'll see what happens. But uh, so far, it's kind of been, um, it's kind of been just like a big wait and see off season for them and that's like probably putting it nicely they haven't they just like their name has been attached to almost every single free agent or even trade target um you know i can really think of almost every single one that's signed somewhere else and and it feels like the angels have at some point been in the mix only to just kind of either fade at the end of the process or not really have ever been competitive in it i'm not really sure like why that continues to happen uh i mean we certainly have some theories we'll get into and we'll certainly discuss you know, kind of where things stand based on, you know, the information we do have. Um, but it's, it's, uh, it's been a really just empty, bad, you know, I don't know. It's, they, they really are like, I think it's as bad an off season thus far as any team in baseball. It's been the winter of interest for the angels yeah. showing interest in Kevin Kiermeyer or Harrison Bader among other, you know, hot names on the market. Um, yeah. But those players would have been good for them. I mean, honestly, like it's it's like not you know that's the thing they need to do is kind of fix around the edges a little bit, build that build out their depth. I mean, they need more starting. I mean, you sign a guy like Zach Plesac, it's fine, but I mean, I really think that you know you need a, a one more legit starter that you know you can count plug into the rotation. Um, and I don't right. think you know, Plesac. So Plesac can't be the move. He has to be the complementary move yeah. that makes you feel like, oh, that's great because they also signed Blake Snell, Jordan Montgomery, insert, you know, qualified pitcher here. Imanaga would have been good, I thought. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So you're not because the worst outcome is you end up putting outsized expectations on, you know, guys like Zach Plesac who probably aren't going to have a super meaningful impact on the upcoming season and then it's a recipe for disaster for everyone across the board for perry for fans for the team just nobody wins in that scenario yeah i mean the thing is like i I don't know if i should feel bad for for perry i mean i do a little bit because i think that his position is overall is kind of just really tenuous i mean he's one year deal on his contract i don't i mean i can't imagine that he would have this silence in offseason if it were completely up to him you know, some of these free agents, I'm guessing, are are just not, they're not getting, you know, they're not getting the, the, the okay to, you know, put the money in the thing that they really need to in order to sign free agents. And then on top of that, I think the Angels are going to have to pay a premium on any free agent player to go play there. I mean, who wants to sign up for multiple years 
on a team that is like known for just being a chaotic mess. And I can't imagine. And part of the reason, I mean, we'll talk more about this, part of the reason why I think Blake Snell makes some sense for them is he seems like a pretty low-key guy that might not really, you know, value being on like a great team as much as just kind of getting, you know, an opportunity to live in Southern California and, and do his thing, which obviously worked for him last year. So um, that that's like the one, you know, instance where I could see it maybe making some sense. But I, I think they're going to have to pay a premium on any free, any free agent. Uh, I think that has a lot to do with how they operated over the last year and the desperation they showed last year and, you know, putting guys on waivers and mm -hmm. just like manipulating the roster in September to like make sure that they got below the luxury tax, which they did. But it just, it was, it was just an ugly, ugly final, like six weeks of the season so much so that I think it just put people, turned people off a little bit to what, you know, they're overall trying to accomplish. Totally. Uh, I, yeah. and I believe more than anything that money talks. And if you come in as, far and away the highest bidder more likely than not you're going to get the player but when things are close and you're you know submitting offers that are on the margins of other bids then you know other things come into play and i truly believe there you know is somewhat of a all-consuming narrative taking over the angels especially right in the wake of otani leaving and now it's endless conversation about how the angels not only haven't did not only did they not win with otani and trout they also really haven't won with Trout alone at all, and here we are back in the same situation, and he's an older player, a different player than he was when he was just coming up. I mean, if players are, you know, ring chasing or anything close to it, it's hard to justify wanting to sign with the Angels, again, unless they're far and away the highest bidder, and the payroll situation, the money available situation sounds um, super uncertain to be uh, polite about it. That's the thing. We have no idea. Every, I mean, this is part of my frustration with the overall offseason is is this the lack of transparency. That they've like I, I, I don't think you you know I think you do owe it to your fans to put a winning team on the field, but I think before that you owe it to your fans to you know level with them to some extent. And and they don't. None of that's happening here. I mean, you're not hearing. You're not hearing from Artie. You're not hearing from John Carpino. You're hearing from Perry like once, you know. Uh, every three to four weeks really and it's just like it's nothing he gives no update and i don't necessarily know if it's because he just can't he's not authorized to he doesn't know the answers to these questions in the same way we don't know the answers to these questions like are you able to extend payroll to a similar number that it was last year he won't answer that right like he'll, he'll just say that already moreno wants to win which is kind of makes me laugh at this point because i don't i'm sure he wants to win right like be nice don't we don't we all want to win yeah, I mean, I'm sure he wants to win. It's like, great. I, I, I just like, that's all we're getting from Perry at this point. It's like, yeah, well, the ownership wants to win. I mean, I just, it's like, it's like gaslighting. It's not even, it's Perry, it's everybody. I mean, they're just kind of gaslighting the fans, in my opinion. It's like, what are you doing? What are you doing to make your team better? You know, I'm sure they'll do something at the end, of, by the end of this offseason. I'm sure they'll have signed some players or traded for someone or trade might be the, like we're talking about usurping this kind of, policy or, or this this kind of anxiety about you know not necessarily um you know wanting to play for a bad team or a team that isn't going to be competitive then you know there's there's always the route of just trading for someone who's got no choice so there's mm -hmm. that but i think the angels are a unique situation where they're like one of the few teams where you know you're, you're trying to win but there's like almost no pull to go there because you just don't believe mm -hmm. it's possible to do it like most teams are either in the bucket of we kind of know where our, our payroll is at or we're going to be competitive regardless of how much we spend. And it's like, and there's, 
you know, there, then there's the bad teams you just aren't who aren't even trying. So it's like the Angels are on the weird bucket of well, they're trying, but they're just as bad as everybody that's not trying. <laughs> so it's like right. It's just kind of. I'm curious if opening day was today and the team the Angels had right now was the team they're going to roll out there for game one. How uh, how many games would this team lose or how many games would this team win? Um, but where's your head at with the roster as it is right now? I would put them at like 72 wins, 90 losses, 90 loss team. I mean, you know, it's yeah. what point is, you know, are these guys going to be healthy? I just and if they're not healthy. Right. Who do you have behind that? I don't I don't think it's much. So we've seen it I've seen it play out enough to just not you know, to not really have that strong I mean, and I think that some of the players that they've, you know, they were gonna be relying on I mean, I honestly like and it's not to like and everyone loves Zach Neto, and I think he's a great, great young player who's gonna have a really bright young bright future in this game. Like I mean, we still saw it like after July last year, I mean he got put on the IL twice with some back issues, and then when he came back, he hit like you know, 170 over the last like six weeks. So it's, it's, you know, I think you're talking to I mean, this is, and that's, and that's more on the team than it is on Neto, in my opinion, because like you, you bring up these guys who are so young, who've just like, you know, the longest experience they've had is playing like a, a 60 game college season. You're going to mm-hmm. ask them to play every day in the big leagues one year later. It's like very impressive that they're, that they've got the talent to do it, but you're not part of the minor leagues is also like building you up physically and putting totally. yourself in the best shape to do that. And, and, I think the jury's out on on his physicality being able to last himself a whole year. Maybe even the same thing with, I mean, Logan O'Hoppy is built like a truck, right? Like he's a big dude, really strong. But even him, I mean, you know, it's, you know, they play in him every day and start the season and all of a sudden he's, he, you know, blows out his, his uh, shoulder and it's, there's that. So, you know, I think they have to be very careful and very meticulous about, about the, about how often they're using these guys, how much they're relying on them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's just, you know, when you and when you're desperate, which they were last year, you pl- yeah. overextend. You know, you overextend. Uh, we saw with Sam Bachman. I thought he was. He went. You know, he was mm-hmm. getting thrown like forty pitches just to like you know because there were big. These were big games, big situations. And right. Pitch, pitching him too much, and he goes on the IL and he misses the rest of the year. So I think that there's, you know, it, it's these are these are things they need to combat. They need to be smart about. I mean, if you're going to be competitive, I, I think and if you're going to build, which is never something they are actually concerned with, but they say they are. If you're actually going to build, you have to prioritize long-term, not just what can we do to get this win right this very second. I'm wondering, I mean, we spent so much time over the last year talking about the immense desperation that fueled them over, you know, the past season, given it was Otani's last with the Angels, or at least on contract. And everything everything they seemingly did was fueled by this desperation, and we talked a lot about that. And I'm wondering... If now going into 2024, we see kind of a course correction where, you know, the Otani situation is resolved. Now, does this team become, for lack of a better or different word, boring, uneventful, like these somewhat aggressive roster moves, whether it was involved in waivers or calling guys up? Like, do you think they kind of just revert to the mean? I mean, it's possible. Um I don't think necessarily that will be the case. I think that, you know, we're still, we're talking about desperation. I mean, you got a GM who's on his last year of his contract. So, I mean, this needs to be a good year for him. Um, right. I mean, Perry's desperate, but there's only so much in his control, which is hard to believe for a 
general manager who in theory has the key to the organization but um he definitely does i mean he doesn't he doesn't he doesn't all at once yeah he definitely doesn't i think he you know is working with what he's got which is not an easy job to to do but i mean i i don't they could be boring i think it's also possible that he could it could help them to some extent just like you don't have to it's not like you know otani was such an omnipresent and he's a great teammate and he's a great guy but i mean it's still like it just it's a it's a big every day is is otani there it's every day like now it's just the angels so that that could it could play to their advantage to some extent that they're not necessarily like only focused on you know answering questions about him and Mm -hmm. winning for him and like now you're just going out and and you know it's like the first day of the rest of your lives like you know it's just okay you know remember when i brought up the ewing theory what was that it's when the best player on a team or the presumed or perceived best player on a team is then removed from the situation from the team because of an injury or in this case signing with the crosstown team and then the team plays without their supposed star and uh takes off or performs better than expected and people kind of look around they're like huh well how did that happen i don't know if takes off is what's going to happen here but (laughs) i don't think so either I think it's possible that this that like it's like I said it's like the first day of the rest of your life like it's just you know you're not you're everything about the last couple of years was how do we get this win in this window how do we win in this window and mm-hmm. and uh now it's just like okay well what do you do now and it's there's le- I think there's a little less pressure maybe but um yeah you know there's less eye there's fewer eyeballs it's it's it'll yeah. be slightly different does that make you a better major league baseball team I tend to believe that over 162 games you're going to be as good as you are like that's right. the beauty of 162 games is it's, right it even like it's- like in football when people say oh you know if the cowboys and the packers played that game 10 times like you know maybe it would have been different outcome nine of those times like baseball the baseball season is perfect because <laughs> it's literally that example times you know 10.62 like you're playing 162 games and not only are the 26 guys on your opening day roster going to be tested, but probably 10 to 15 guys in your minor league system as well, or who aren't involved in the roster on opening day. So rough math. Yes. There. yes. Thank you. <laughs> uh, the baseball season is, um, you know, the ultimate proof about the state of your organization. Yes, yeah, it volume. is. And that's why I really like the sport. There's not, you know, there, you really, you really have to be, this is what exposes the angels all the time is you have to be buttoned up in so many different areas to be a successful juggernaut of a franchise. And they're just not buttoned up in any of these areas. And so it's like, well, why do we keep losing? Right? Like, why is it that this team is, is 73 and 89? I mean, they started at 17 and seven, two years ago. So they should have, or was it, well, I don't know if it was, uh, might've been 27 and 17 or whatever it was. They started out really, really hot. And then immediately lost 14 games in a row and just were terrible after that. So it's, it's not, it's not a, you know, coincidence, right? Like these, the, you are a reflection of, of, of so many different factors. It's like, at some point your depth will be a factor. At some point your, you know, your best players will be the, will be the most important factor. At some point your entire, you know, minor league system and how much you're really investing in that is going to be a factor. And so they have all these things that they don't assume are legitimate direct factors in winning and losing. And then they're surprised when they lose as opposed to win. So I think that's the biggest thing with them. Those like, just, you know, this is, they got, that's why I'm hesitant to like, really be like, okay, you signed Blake Snell. Great. Mm -hmm. What did that do for you? Really? I mean, Blake Snell would be a good pitch. He's won two Cy Youngs. Now, do I think he's a little bit, he's as good as 
as a two-time Cy Young Award winner would indicate? Probably not. I mean, he's mm-hmm. never gone more. I think he threw like 180 innings last year, which is really quite low for a Cy Young Award winner. I think he's like ever pitched past the eighth inning of a game, if I'm not mistaken. Shocking. Uh, so it's, yeah, I, I think like, you know, whoever it, whoever signs him is like, you, you got to be prepared for him not to be the best pitcher in the league. Because <laughs> right. it's just, it's possible. Right. Obviously, Blake Snell on the Angels. Yeah, he allowed like more walks than anyone last year. I mean, it was like, he's right. T- he allowed so many guys on base, walked the tightrope masterfully all year, and ended the season with a Cy Young Award. So congrats to him. At the same time, Blake Snell on the Angels, I got to be honest, it just makes like too much sense to me for no baseball reasons at all. I mean, other than Artie Moreno likes shiny toys. And you can look at the Rendon signing that felt kind of rash and hasn't worked out. The Josh Hamilton signing somewhat rash and didn't work out. Even the Albert Pujols signing, maybe it wasn't rash, but I have a hard time believing people would say confidently it really worked out. Um, Artie likes his shiny toys, his good, notable players that he can put on a big banner and hang in front of the stadium. And like, yeah, I w- it would be totally unsurprising if I woke up tomorrow and Blake Snell was signing a $160 million deal with the Angels. I mean, but yeah, I, don't, I, I also don't think it would work out. I think if he's, I think he'd be signing with the Angels for more than that. I think he's played this offseason. Snell has played this offseason really well, and that basically he's the last guy standing. And yeah. some team, the Giants are another team. Like oh. I actually think the Angels and the Giants have, are similar, and the Giants have had way more success this offseason in bringing in other players and you know mm-hmm. being proactive. Just but, having a willingness to spend, I think, is also part of it's it. It's the willingness to spend, but also the desperation to to win and to win uh, like a moment to win a press conference that I think mm-hmm. is like kind of something both these franchises need to some extent. It's just like a little totally. bit, a little bit of like good news. Um, and uh, the the Angels, I think, are uh, like I think if you're Blake Snell, you're not necessarily like overly consumed with winning, and you just kind of want to get these teams to bid up and and. You're the last guy right. available that's going to make anybody excited. Then yeah, go. Yeah. You yeah. Might, I'm like a 200 million plus. And again, you very well may somehow get that from Artie Moreno and the angels. Like I wouldn't be shocked at all. If Perry's under the impression that Artie's willing to spend like, I don't know, call it 30 to 40 more million dollars in contracts this off season. Maybe it's not even that much. And then all of a sudden Perry gets a call from Artie and is like, Hey, go get Snell, 200 mil. And it's yeah. just like, just that out of the blue. Like, nothing would surprise me. He's, I mean, he really is so rarely signed pitchers to long term deals, especially starters. I mean, Tyler Anderson was the latest, and that has, you know, the first year of that at least wasn't very good. Um, and then before that, it had been since like 2012 when Joe Blanton signed a multi year deal. So really, it's been like, it just doesn't happen very often. Now, uh, you know, we're in a situation this offseason where, I think, you know, you're looking at this and you're thinking they're probably going to do something. I mean, they got to do something. And this, this, I don't want to want to know what the attendance will look like. I mean, Angels fans, in some ways, I think are just like you know, you have some of the diehards probably listen to this podcast, and then you have I think a lot of people that just kind of like go because they have fun promotions and they do fireworks on Saturdays and it's like near Disneyland and it's just all that, right? Like it's it's mm-hmm. part of the you know just like like Orange County experience. 
But um, so they might not. I don't know what their attendance will look like. It's dipped the last two years below three million for the first time in a long time. But I mean, I have a hard time believing that they're really going to be an exciting draw for fans this year if they're not if they're not you know competitive and they're not like bringing in these players. And I mean, you got to ask questions about Mike Trout and his durability and his ability to be as good as he was. I just think that's that that might be tough. It might be a tough ask. And you got to, you know, you got to look at, it's just the, this is a crunch time year for Joe Adele and Mickey Moniak. I mean, they don't have options left. So either they're going to be on the roster or they're not, uh, you know, and, and I don't know if you can carry both. Uh, and I don't know if either, I mean, Moniak had a very good year last year, but he, again, he was one of those players who really struggled down in the second half of the season. I think he was dealing with some injuries, but still struggled. Joe Adele, we've really just never seen him approve, approve himself yet. So, I mean, this is a, it's just like the, you know, you got to make some tough decisions right now. Um, about what you want this team to look like and 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 what's how, how is it going to be successful um because if not i think you're looking you're looking at a one a really unsuccessful season and two one where you're just like disinteresting you know the fans are just become quite disinterested in it do you think ron washington has any say in roster construction or like you know a vague term like team identity where maybe wash yeah. wants to steal a lot of bases so perry's going to look at faster guys like you think Wash has some or any involvement in what's happening? I'm sure he's in, apprised of it. Um, <laughs> he's uh, informed. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, uh, you know, uh, it, it's. I think there's probably discussions, and like he says, I mean, uh, you know, it's it's, mm-hmm. it's interesting. I, I mean, I've found. I mean, I'm not sure if we talked about this on the last podcast, but I, I've still found it really fascinating just how involved Shohei Otani is in like all the Dodgers offseason, you know, mm-hmm. signings and recruitment and. And when have we ever seen that from Mike Trout? And that's not a Mike Trout criticism. That's an Angels not involving Mike Trout criticism. And Angels obviously not involving Shohei criticism and all this other mm-hmm. stuff. And so I yeah. think that's that is a uh, that's part of it. I mean, you know, you you have you have an elite superstar that everyone in the game respects and loves. Why you're not using him? Why I mean, no offense, Perry. Perry's a nice guy, but like, is he the best guy to recruit guys to this team? I mean if you're Mike Trout and you want him, I mean, does he believe in this vision enough to, to go and say, try to bring players in and make it a thing? I mean, I just, I, I don't understand why they don't do stuff like this. I don't understand why it takes Otani going to the Dodgers to become, you know, kind of all, all over town and mm-hmm. going to games, yeah. and like, you know, right. and just being the front man for yeah. an organization. Yeah. Yeah. It, why, like, why is it, why don't they have Mike Trout doing that stuff? Yeah, I think it's a totally fair question. And I also think, um, you know, from the Angels position, like building your team around, a, you know, 32-year-old Mike Trout who's shown some discouraging signs about, you know, where his play may be trending, like they're just in a tough spot. And then you've got Perry as a lame duck GM and you bring in a longtime veteran manager and Ron Washington in a situation that is – not exactly win now, and I just, I just look. Level. I mean, it's it's like a two year deal. So again, that's right. another thing for players to weigh is like, what is this going to look like one year from now? Right. I just look around at those, you know, facts. Trout being older, Perry, lame duck GM, Wash, veteran manager, all in a two year deal, and I'm kind of like, what are we doing? Like to your point, you brought up earlier about you know, the angels say they're building, but where are they actually building? And then I look at those things and I'm like, yeah, what, what's kind of going on here? Like, what are we, selling, what are we trying selling, to do? They try to then sell you on the fact that they got like these, these good young players, which they do, 
you know, you have a Neto, you have a Hoppy, you have a Nolan Shannon. Well, that being said, I still think there's a lot for all of those guys to prove on a big league field. I think Ohapi's probably the most established out of those out of that core, but really, you know, beyond that, it's there's I think a lot of proving that needs to go be be done, and I wouldn't be surprised if all three of those guys are penciled into the opening day lineup. So it's, mm-hmm. I mean that that's like, and then, and then you know on top of that, if you're talking about rebuilding and you want to and you got like this good young core, why is Edgar Edgar Caro, you know, uh, why is Kai Bush why are they on the on the White Sox now? Like why did you trade all these guys for? You know, players like Lucas Giolito just didn't pan out, and and you, you drop them a month later. I mean, if you were going to build, if your priority is building on this future that you thought you had, then why didn't they take steps to do that? Why are they not further building out their young roster by making trades? You know, it's it's like either you're rebuilding or you're not. Mm-hmm. And like I think they try to have both narratives at once, where they're like, well, we're going to be great, and then the second it goes bad, they're like, well, look at all these great young players that are going to be the part of our future. It's 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 like guys wake up to it like you know totally listen like, definitely listeners, wake like, up to this like i know everyone has to some extent but like you know you're getting gaslit <laughs> it's right like there's an identity crisis going on like yeah. who are the angels as we perceive them and who are the angels as they perceive themselves like it's just two different worlds seemingly it is and i i have a feeling that um i mean i don't know baseball is unpredictable like if some of these guys end up being better and you know, maybe Anthony Rendon's healthy for all year and gets a little bit of power back. And I mean, you know, we're talking big ifs here, but it's just right. It's, I think I always say this: you can look hard enough at an Angels roster every every time around and pick out a pick out a team that's going to win win you baseball games. Um, I don't <laughs> think the rotation's bad. I think they got they made some good coaching hires. Mm-hmm. Uh, so maybe you know maybe you get more out of a Reed Demers, you get more out of a Patrick Sandoval, you get. You know, Griffin Canning is fought. You know, he now he built up last year. Now he's you know probably set to throw more innings this year. You know, there's 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 opportunity there to 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 put together maybe a pretty good rotation. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I but it, again, it's it's just like I'm never gonna believe it until I see it at this point. Um, and to be clear, uh, Perry came out and said like they're not trading Trout. Is that right? Right. Which I wouldn't. I mean, what do you? Who's I think the whole idea of trading Trout is just so like more convoluted than people would even really care to understand. I mean, like, how are you going to trade that contract? I mean, it's not a good contract at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, that being, it wasn't like a bad contract for anyone to sign. I don't, I don't like think anyone looks at the Angels and is like, man, you really screwed up the Trout contract. He was the greatest player in the game, and he got a contract mm-hmm. that he had earned, and he's, you know, uh, I think still capable of performing at a high level. <laughs> but you know, it's still just like a. But at this point, it's a tough contract to take on. So I don't know who's going to want that. Uh, I, I just like, yeah, I don't I don't necessarily. Yeah, know. no, I mean, there's a lot of layers to it. Yeah. I, mean, I think you could definitely make a case that the Angels might be better off if they were able to move off the Trout contract and kind of start with a blank slate and truly be able to build something from the ground up. But at the same time, that sucks for the fans. And it's also hard as a, you know, a team executive trying to build a winning team to totally justify trading Mike Trout, even though deep down, I kind of think it probably could be a blessing in disguise, but yes, to your point, more convoluted. Yeah, than, uh, to some extent, you know, I mean, you know, but it, it, at the end of the day, he also has to want to be traded. He's got a no, no trade clause. And, you know, uh, I, it could be a blessing in disguise for both angels and for, for Trout to go. I mean, I, everyone says it's like a narrative that he's like, you know, it sucks that he came back to the playoffs and it's just like this, this like negative angels narrative, but it, it's true, right? Like it's just a true 
as you like to say, it's a true fact. Um, <laughs> he has not made the playoffs in a decade. He's been the greatest player in baseball for you know many of those years, and it's like it sucks. Um, it's amazing. I wonder how many individual major league players have played in a postseason game since Mike Trout lasted. Yeah, you like, and it must suck to watch it, and then it must suck to like tweet from the Eagles game in October, and everyone's like, ah, <laughs> like, yeah, you know, it happens every year at this point. So it's, you know, I don't know. I, I, he, I wanted good guy. Go ahead. He deserves a chance to play in the playoffs. Yeah, I wanted to ask you a bigger picture baseball question. Um, going back to a line you brought up about Blake Snell being the last, last guy standing, big guy on the market. Do you think baseball would be better off with like a self-imposed like contract deadline or something that spurred action around the winter meetings or something that just created any amount of action in a short period of time over the winter? Yeah, totally. I think so. I mean, I think from from everyone's vantage point, like just makes things a little easier. I mean, it's just such a drip drip. I mean, and I, I mean, part of me appreciates like the, the strategic, you know, strategic maneuverings of like agents and teams of like when you sign somebody and like when you mm-hmm. make your offer, you know, when you sign guys in spring training, like, I think mm-hmm. there's some, there's some, like, there's something about it that makes it somewhat cool um, the way it is now, but it is just, it's like, I think if you're a fan, that's, it just gets, this is tedious, right? Like it's, there's, totally rumors and then you're like oh well like look it seems like someone's close and then nope three weeks of silence (laughs) um right like it's the middle of january why are cody bellinger and matt chapman still unsigned like what are we doing represents them right and it (laughs) just feels like rinse repeat it feels like rinse repeat from the harper machado offseason a few years ago when like harper signed with the phillies like in the middle of spring training like it just didn't need to take that long and it shouldn't take this long right now yeah, I agree with you. I, I I do. It's I like I said. I think it's like a little bit more complicated than just like. But it, maybe it isn't. Like it would be cool just to have a pathway to you know two two or three weeks. Everyone can right. kind of negotiate in that period. You know, the winter meetings is right at the end, and right. then or and deadlines. Know. Deadlines spur action. We know this every single year because of the trade yeah. deadline. But then, you but know? then I think baseball would then say to you. Well, then what? Okay, so this is so it ends in the beginning of December, and then we got two months of just kind of radio silence. So it's you know, I mean, there are other things that happen. You yeah, got, but the current system, drip, 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 is also boring. So I don't know how baseball could yeah. sit on their hands and be like, well, this is what we want. This is what we want. I mean, there's trade offs and consequences no matter which way you slice it. But I just think, and I know there are, you know, collectively bargain reasons for and against imposing a deadline that could be completely arbitrary, would be completely arbitrary, but baseball exists to entertain, and it's hard to entertain when you're not playing games. I get that, but you could at least try. I agree. I agree. I I, I mean, you know? yeah. As someone that has to like now, you know, you always have to be like on call for like when something could go down. I mean, the other thing is like we could post this podcast and then they might sign Blake Snell like 10 minutes after that. I remember that we did a, a trade, a pre-trade deadline. That's right. Yeah. And then the second I get off, like we, I was checking my phone during this or whatever. And then the second I would like close out of it, uh, you know, it's like they, they traded for a, uh, who did they trade? They traded for like. Was it Gritchick? Or Crone, Crone, you know, both those guys at the same time. So it was, it's like, oh, <laughs> cool. 
<laughs> as we spent 30 minutes harping on them for not doing anything or something to that. I thing. forgot. I don't, I don't think we were talking about whether they should or should have done something and then they go and do more things. So it was like, yeah, you know, it's it, that's part of it, too, is, you know, you're not you're not you never know when something could happen. It could happen on Christmas. It could happen on New Year's Eve. It could happen, you know, on Martin Luther King Day like it is today. So it's uh, who knows? <laughs> It just it just seems silly and yet another thing baseball is shooting itself in the foot over. Like my idea, and it's not even half baked, is that maybe you have maybe your deadline goes right up to the end of the winter meetings and the deadline is you this is the last day until spring training starts that you can sign a player over a hundred fifty million dollars or some calculated high number. Where it's like, all right, in theory, that kind of deadline would spur the big fish to sign by the end of the winter meetings. And then if they don't sign by then, then they're stuck SOL until spring training starts, which is definitely a consequence and something I imagine they don't want. Um, and then, yeah, you're left with, you know, a month and a half of drip, drip, drip. But like the drip, drip, drip is going to happen no matter what kind of system you have. And you might as well cash in on your most marketable players signing big contracts on the biggest stage you have in the winter. And then you, you know, you deal well, with I mean, the you month and a half of silence. Have, if you wait till spring training, then there could be a lot of teams, a lot of players that want to wait till then, because then there's, you're, you're banking on desperation. So it's, it's, I don't know. Right. I mean, there's no perfect system like the Right. There's no perfect system. You maybe you go nuclear and say that you can't sign until the all-star break. I mean, that, <laughs> that I think would spur a lot of action for these uh, guys. Yeah, to sign. That would be like, prob- there's no way that players, would that, there's no way. Yeah. <laughs> the players union would agree to that. So it's not worth talking about much longer, but yeah, just but an I idea. Agree, I, I am in favor of an off season deadline of some sort to spur action. You'd probably prefer an off season rule where like several of the best players have to go to the San Francisco giants too. <laughs> I know my system would be they have to go to the second place finisher in their sweepstakes. So that way the Giants would have (laughs) everyone. (laughs) Right. They would have all the good players, all the good players. And the payroll would be nine hundred million dollars. And if they had to go to their fifth place team, then they might pick Halos. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Maybe every offseason, the number changes. They have to go to the second place team, the fifth place team, the first place team. Yeah. Um, so, so to recap the whole Halo stock, I don't want to get into uh, one last quick thing about uh, a cat. But before we get into the cat, we got to talk. I mean, the last thing I want to recap is like there. I think there are two things possibly happening here with the Angels. One, free agents just do not want to sign here. I think that's probably happening to some extent. And then two, uh, they're just the Angels aren't really actually willing to spend as much as, you know, you, you might typically think they are. I don't think we really have any idea where Artie's head is at in terms of his future i mean he's technically 77 now or he's turning 77 and what does that mean like what does that mean in terms of his ability his desire to spend i thought it was a, a almost a red flag that he wouldn't have matched the deal that otani got with the dodgers i thought that was a really reasonable deal so if if the if the otani actually was coming back to them and offering to basically sign at that number i'm not sure if that's what he was doing but they were at least coming back to them and giving them a chance to negotiate why don't you do that? It makes me feel like they're they're maybe not willing to spend at the level that we all kind of thought they might. So those are the two reasons that I think that we're kind of sitting here right now without uh, much uh, to talk about in the way of free agents actually signing. But certainly always enough to talk about in the ways of, oh, God, this is turning into a total train wreck. So there's always that with the Halos. 
Uh, and, you know, players talk about this stuff. I think, you know, it's something I, I, I've, you know, come to understand is that players are, are cognizant of, like, the, the chaos that envelops the team that they're on. They're not, like, you know, they're not just, like, robots going out there and playing every day. Like, they're aware of when stuff is happening off the field. They're aware of how the minor leaguers are being treated. They're aware of a lot of all this stuff. And, you know, I think it impacts your – it impacts a lot more than people realize. And, and um, you know, we're sitting here today with a roster that is – has a lot of work to do, uh, in my opinion, in right. order to be a competitive team. But, you know, hey, could be wrong. And when you're signed as – and when it's midseason and you're under contract to, like, play for the Angels and you're an established major leaguer, like, there's only so much you can do when you hear about all the noise around the team. Like, frankly, there's really not much you can do at all. But when you're a free agent and the power is in your hands and yeah. you get to decide where you want to play, all of those things – totally sway opinions i think i agree with that i totally do and and i think that uh that's why we're that's po- quite possible why we're looking at you know we're sitting here in the middle of january and it's it's really i think there's just no there's just no direction that we we can certainly discern uh <clears throat> beyond just hey they got a decent enough roster to go and at least you know take a stab at this thing but um you know I'm just I'm not I'm never confident on when when they kind of take that strategy. But um, last thing before we wrap up, uh, I always like to do you know we like to do something fun. And Connor, uh, he uh he pinpointed a, a funny tweet and sent it to me, which was, I guess outside the the Angels team store, there was a there was a cat like holding the door open. I'm not really sure. This was a this a cat was a, standing near cat standing near an open door, uh, the front door of the Angels team store. Yeah, this. Oh, I don't even know who tweeted it exactly or whatever, but uh, I got uh, it. I got it up. It was uh, at Curtis Cook underscore. So Curtis, if that's your name, thank you for sharing this great piece of content. Uh, Curtis Cook is, I believe, the uh, other Angels podcaster who said that racist stuff earlier this year. But either way, uh, the picture itself <laughs> is funny. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's a picture of a cat standing in front of an open door in front of uh, the angels team store and i had some fun texting sam yeah i just a like, few days ago I was about some... and i like land and you know like oh i got all these texts and then i'm like oh most all of them are from connor saying <laughs> must have mean the angels traded for otani <laughs> signed snell chapman and bellinger a lot of updates no in fact i came up with uh, a progressing storyline about the cat in front of the angels team store written in the form of newspaper headlines. So I'll do a little bit of a reading now. So imagine imagine these as uh, headlines in your local newspaper about the Angels um, sitting below the headline, sitting below a photo of this cat next to the team store. So uh, first one, Moreno lays off minimum wage workers, hires cat, <laughs> which is followed up by Moreno, colon, Cat to be considered for assistant GM opening. Can we also just like, can they hire an assistant GM? I mean, goodness <laughs> gracious. All right, keep going. <laughs> That's right. They don't have an assistant GM. Is that correct, Sam? Yes. I mean, unless they've done it without telling anybody. Well, uh, their new star team store employee is going to be considered per my made up headline for Marty Moreno. Um, next headline Manazian tight lipped about future as Moreno dubs Cat, quote, rising star. Oh, jeez. <laughs> that was the best one. Now it's getting hot and heavy. Carpino Manazian fired as Moreno paves way for first feline executive. Oh God. 
I can't laugh at those because, you know, we're not wishing anyone getting fired. No, no, especially. But I will say the cat. cat would be the the cat would be you know he would probably be one of the, you know, one of the, the best executives in the league. If I, but, but right, that much can be clear from this exercise. But hopefully, um, hopefully no one's fired in 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 a in a uh, way to pave you know the direction for the cat to take over. Of course. <laughs> Next headline: Cat in a hat. Angels allow team president to compete for roster spot. <laughs> team president. <laughs> well, I mean, when you fire your team president and GM and hire a cat, the cat obviously assumes both roles, and now he's competing to play left field for the Angels next year. Um, next headline: MVP. MVP version. MVP front runner cat refuses to play against Tigers. Scampers away from team bus <laughs> because tigers obviously tigers yeah, would scare a little cat. a little yeah. tabby cat like this one. Last headline: Lost and found. Moreno rescues team president, comma star player cat atop Big A. I gotta tell you, this was a this was a treat to 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 read as it happened, and uh, I texted Connor that I, how much I enjoyed it, and he said. He enjoyed it too. So I always tell Connor that the only person that enjoys his humor more than me is him. <laughs> oh, a few bo- few bonus headlines. Um, it's, it's right here. Cat rehires Carpino to manage team store. Quote, started at the top and now he's here. This is brutal. And uh, yeah. Well, we'll leave it there. Yeah, there's some other ones, but you just got to stop. You just can't keep going, John. (laughs) All because a cat was standing near the open door of the Angels team store. Disclaimer, I do not endorse any of the actions taken by the cat or by Connor, but we we allowed him to have, you know, to relay a stream of consciousness. A a different kind of fantasy baseball, if you will. This is this is why I pay him no money to do this. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Amateur yeah. uh, headline writing hour. Oh yeah, this you know this one of the things people don't realize, and I sh- I don't introduce Connor as a former baseball as an editor at Sports Illustrated, mostly since their new editors are all AI robots. But um... <laughs> <laughs> don't talk about Drew Ortiz that way, okay? <laughs> Yeah, we get, you know, we'll shout out Drew Ortiz. I'm sure hopefully he got to the, I don't know who that is, but. He's one of the AI writers that got exposed. That's right. That's right. So Drew Ortiz is not real. Oh, that's okay. Okay. Well, you know who is real? We got to give a shout out to one of our our best listeners, Paul Schwedelson. He just, he listens every time and he always lets us know that he's a a big fan. So hopefully if he doesn't let us know, that means he didn't didn't listen to the end here. So in that, uh, in that uh, vein, we've pretty much got nothing else to talk about. So, um. Maybe we'll come back uh, soon with uh, whenever the Angels do something. We'll talk about what they did. But in the meantime, uh, you know, take care. Happy uh, Happy New Year now. We're halfway through the first month of the year. So enjoy it. And, uh, you know, please rate us five stars and leave us a nice comment if you feel so inclined. We really do appreciate that. And until next time, take care.